0: Hi.
1: friends, and welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Jean McCarthy. I write the blog, Unpickled, and I've been telling my story there since my very first day of sobriety over eight years ago. I tell my story there, and I invite you to share your stories here. And today, I welcome a listener who has found the Bubble Hour to be helpful in her recovery experience, and she joins us today to share her story. I welcome Mo to the show hi Mo hi Jean I know you're feeling a little bit nervous and I have to say I have so much respect for the fact that you are here giving service despite feeling a little bit nervous and uneasy about it so thank you so much for sharing your story so that it can help other people the way this show has helped you I really I'm really glad you're here well, thank you. I'm so glad and so grateful for your show. I've uh,
2: listened to it like crazy from uh, from the beginnings for me, and it meant so much and means so much.
1: Now, you're going to tell us your story in a little bit, but let me just ask you a couple questions first. Did you listen to episodes of this podcast and maybe other recovery podcasts, too, before you quit drinking, or did you only start listening after you quit? I started listening after
2: you were uh, recommended by uh, Kate
1: B at the Silver School. Oh, Kate is wonderful, and you know she's been on this show too. So she saved my life. <laughs> oh she's amazing, amazing. And how yes. long have you been alcohol free?
2: Today is day two fifty-eight, so leaning into nine months almost. Ah, oh, congratulations.
1: I feel like nine months is a really special milestone because it takes nine months to create a new human. And I feel like there's something, you know, regenerative. And and at this stage in recovery, we're really starting to peel back the layers and getting the hang of the day-to-day thing. And and our new life is really starting to emerge. So I hope that you... uh, have a nice, at least a nice piece of cake or something on. <laughs>
0: on oh, that I have lots stone. of cake
1: all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. No reason needed.
0: <laughs>
1: well, let's but get to know okay. you a little bit. Mo, share your story with us. Tell us who you are and how you came to be here.
2: Okay. Well, um,
1: my journey has been a
2: very spiritual one. And, um, I, uh, when I wake up in the morning, before I go into my day, I, I come into uh, my woo-woo room, I call it. I, I transformed a room in my house into my own little sacred space, and I have a, a little bit of a area, and I have a bell, and I have feathers, and I have things I've picked from the beach, and from travels, and childhood, and lots of spiritual pieces, and I I ring a bell and I either read a card or I read from a book, and um, I would like to start this hour in our bubble um, by ringing my bell and reading from the Book of Awakening by Mark Nepo um, for today's date. Amazingly, as it is so often, it is very um, appropriate to uh, this conversation that we're having today. So um, I'm going to ring my bell, okay?
1: I love that. Thank you for sharing this ritual with us. Go ahead.
2: So today's reading, August 26, The Rabbit and the Garden. The real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. Marcel Proust. In the movie Phenomenon, John Travolta's character has done everything he can can think of to keep his pesky rabbit out of his garden. He's even put in fencing that goes three feet underground and still everything he plants is nibbled through. Suddenly, one night, he wakes and realizes he's been going about this all wrong. In the moonlight, he quietly goes to his garden and opens the gate and then sits on his porch and waits. To his surprise, as he begins to fall asleep, the rabbit scurries out the gate. While he'd been trying to keep it out, the rabbit was trapped in his garden and he was inadvertently keeping it in. How often do we barricade and fence up our lives against hurt and loss, thinking we're keeping the painful things out when they're already trapped inside us, eating at our roots, and what we really need to do is to open the gate and let them out. Center yourself and consider what you are currently, currently trying to keep out of your heart. It might be a fear of what's to be or a memory of what has been or the truth of the situation you are living right now. Close your eyes and open the gate to your heart and wait. Breathe and wait and give the rabbit a chance to leave your garden. That's it, that's today's reading
1: I love that That's a beautiful ritual Tell me what the bell How the bell affects The start of your day Well um, The sound
2: Is very calming And uh, Inside my bell uh, The bell, my my daughter-in-law gave it to me And I cherish my relationship with her And she gave it to me years ago It's amazing how many pieces came together into this room that were given to me over the course and during specific times. But uh, there's some uh, pine cones from Salt Spring Island inside my bell (laughs) and a little feather uh, that has a little bit of significance. Um, But uh, every now and then I switch what's inside here. And uh, the bell just calms me and clears my mind to take in whatever message I'm about to receive, either from a card I might pull or from a reading I might read, and gives me something to go forward with in the day in a, in a positive way.
1: That's really lovely. Yeah, and I like how you used it to sort of set intention for chatting with us today and um, getting ready to do a share of your story. Um, it just, uh, I just now a Verb to noun. <laughs> I did that thing that we're not <laughs> supposed to do where we misuse words. But anyway, you're getting, as you prepare to, uh, to open yes. up and share your story, I really love that you um, brought your ritual from your morning onto air so that we can hear it too, because I think it's so cool how we all have these different things that we do. And, and sometimes we do them for a while and then they fall off. And sometimes there are things that just really stay with us throughout a lifetime. So um, I'm always really curious to learn about what other people do so thank you for that and I'll invite you to share your story oh you're welcome okay
2: okay well I'm uh, I wrote some notes so I hope I won't feel too robotic here I just didn't want to forget something big but uh, I am uh, 53 years old and live in California and I've been married to the most wonderful man for 16 years and um, my childhood was quite traumatic. I gotta drink some water here. Um, basically, my parents were very young and just really didn't understand how huge of an effect some of their actions would have on me uh, being very sensitive Only child Um, they abandoned me when I was about four years old to a relative for at least a year possibly more no one's telling (laughs) Um, and I was uh, exposed to poverty extreme poverty and uh, alcoholism and violence Um, not to myself but I witnessed my aunt and her husband In their life, and it was very scary. And I've uh, spent a lot of time in my childhood feeling very sad for my cousins because I was able to leave and they were not. Um, And we're still connected through that experience. Um, Eventually, my mom did come uh, and get me once they figured out what they were doing uh, with their lives, and uh, I moved. Back and forth between my parents, most of my life, I'd been, I figured it was about eight or nine different schools by the time I'd graduated high school. So I was always the new kid. And as far as alcohol, I don't remember alcohol being a big part of life in either one of our households, Um, my mother's household, uh, which was just she and I. and then in uh, my father's house where he was never there and I was there with my stepmother and stepsister, there wasn't any alcohol in the house. He was drinking away from home and coming home uh, very drunk and would argue with my stepmom. And and then she would unfortunately take that out on me. Um, but uh, I, I did have, there was a pivotal moment. In my life in high school, my first two years of high school, I lived with my mom, and um, I started hanging around with the wrong kids, and I'd had good grades, and my grades started slipping, and I was skipping school, and I did drink a little bit and smoked some marijuana, just kind of experimenting, and my mom did one of the smartest things she's done in her life. She called my dad and said, okay, you need to come get her because she's going down the wrong path and we need to nip this in the bud. And they did. My dad was very strict, very scary, always scary in my life. Um, Very loud, booming voice. And I'm a very emotional, sensitive, imaginative, little flitty, fluttery kind of girl. And he would come down with that quiet or stop that or stop crying get over it kind of thing. And it was always so scary, this booming voice. So, but that fear of him came in handy in a good way because, uh, when I did go to live with him, when I was in high school, um, I saw it as an opportunity. My dad was well to do. Whereas my mother and I were, um, struggling financially. Money was always really tight. So I saw an opportunity moving into suburbia with dad, although he wasn't there, but, uh, I studied, I didn't miss any school. I made my college uh, exams and uh, got into college and he helped pay for my college. So I was focused on that. Um, In college, I did some drinking. There were some wild and crazy times, but by the last year I was focused again on knowing practically I need to support myself. I need to finish school. And um, and so I did. And going into real life in my career, I just really um, I had raised myself and and some relatives had even spoken to that fact when I'd gone to visit them after being in my adulthood. And I I thought, I said, why didn't you help me? (laughs) But back then in the late 60s, early 70s, people didn't involve themselves in other people's lives. so, in any case, um, by the time I was 33 years old, I had been divorced twice already. I just was scrambling trying to understand how to live life because I really had no, I had, I had no clue. So I started getting a clue about the time I was 33 and um, spent a few years uh, growing as a person on my own. Bought my own home, excelled in my career, and uh, that's when I met my third husband, and the third time was a charm, my current husband. Um, just such a good man. My soulmate, for sure. My best friend. Excuse me.
0: <clears throat>
2: and I was smoking, so um, I did have addictive uh types of behaviors i was a smoker and i did go out with my girlfriend to singles events you know when i was single and i would drink then but nothing you know extreme um i do have a family history of alcoholism uh on both sides of my family so i think the the predisposition predis- is definitely there um so when i met my third husband he uh he said well i you know i just i don't like smoking, and and it would be hard for me to date someone who's smoking. And I said, well, I just quit, <laughs> and he thought that was so funny. But I did, I did. When he said that, I quit, <laughs> and I did get the patch. <laughs> but I just, I recognized instantly. And people had told me, you know, when you meet the one, you'll know, and all this. And I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, I did. I met him, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to have this man in my life, and. Um, uh, I had been wanting and hoping for someone, and it sounds interesting to say that now, um, all this self-discovery I've been doing, but I, I had wanted someone like me. That's That was my wish, is can I just find someone like me? And he was it. And it was just we were so compatible. I was like, yeah, I quit. So I quit smoking, and we started socializing and and uh he was uh I had previously in my previous marriages been the breadwinner and the supporter and the one keeping everything together and now I'd met someone that was like me, and he had a home and I had a home and and he had nice things and 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 he was stable and we start and he was normal in socializing with other people and having his own interests and Life was good. Uh, I quit smoking, and we started socializing and eating a lot of good food and drinking a lot of good beer, and it was just fine for a while. And then, uh, believe it or not, Jean, I live in the middle of a wine country area. California is full of them. I, I live in wine country. And I became the hostess with the mostest. I even started my own wine tasting club, of which I have many friends, and I created lots of friendships. Um, But through all the eating and drinking beer, I I gained a significant amount of weight in my happy-go-lucky life, and I ended up having a gastric bypass surgery, which contributed to... um, Uh, my increase in drinking more than than I really wanted to admit for for up until probably a few weeks ago. I was like fighting admitting that it had an effect, but it absolutely did. Um, And then I went to work with my husband and his sons. Um, So working with your husband and working with your stepsons every day and expanding a company and going through family dynamics also was a big stressor. And then I hit perimenopause and my hormones came in and being a sensitive, uh, emotional person as I am already. Wow. That was like, Oh my goodness, jump off a cliff. Um, and I went into this big depression morning, uh, the fact that I never had any children of my own because I'd always wanted them. But when I found the love of my life, it was, uh, it was too late. That's a whole nother story. But, uh, my drinking became progressive, and of course, having a bypass surgery, you cannot. I mean, you're you're pretty much drunk by the second drink. Um, and at first, it wasn't a problem because I was happy and and you know nothing major happened. No big explosions were problems. Um, but then the last three years, it seemed, or it it did. You know, bad shit was happening all the time and. Uh, I was blacking out regularly, and I became angry. And that was something that, you know, it was like, who is this person who shows up? Um, And, you know, my husband said to me, it's not you. I I don't know who that person is, but it's not you, honey. Can't you just have a couple of drinks and have fun and, you know, do, do you have to drink the whole bottle or the next one can't, you know? And it's like, well. I tried and uh moderation obviously didn't work as everyone out there knows. Um, during the last couple of years I've strained relationships and uh with with uh, my friends and some family we uh we had a Christmas party and I just got angry with the my daughter-in-law, not the one who gave me the bill, the other one, who who never was kind to us, and so it all just came out. And that really didn't go over well. Um, and then I, I had some public foibles at a fundraiser. I live in a small town, so I felt so exposed. And um, I want to say here that I... I know this is going to sound weird, but there are a lot of people that come on your show and even yourself and and some of the friends I've made that were private drinkers. And I, in the beginning of my sobriety, I thought, oh, my gosh, I wish I had been a private drinker. (laughs) I mean, everyone knew Monica had a drinking problem. I'm surprised the whole town didn't know I had a drinking problem. But... um, Part of that, being public, I think is what saved me and, and what caused me to have a, a a higher bottom, so to speak, because everyone was aware and I was aware it wasn't a secret, whereas I, I would imagine that when it is a secret, everyone is telling you, oh, you're fine. Well, nobody ever told me. Well, they did sometimes, my other heavy drinking friends, but not, not uh, like they would someone who doesn't drink or get drunk in public. So um, I, I, uh, for all those of you out there, this is one of the reasons I wanted to come on the show. For all of those of you out there that have had public foibles and shame and embarrassment that surrounds that, um, I just want to say that when you care for yourself and you, and you, you take care of yourself in recovery, um, time does heal that. And you do get stronger and you can put it in perspective and you you are able to do that. So there is a time that will come when you will be able to do that. And I want you to know that. Don't give up. And don't be embarrassed because everyone has embarrassing stuff. Yours was just more in public. Oh, well. Oh, well. That's over now. So um, I was listening to uh, your show the other day, and there was Pete was on, and he was talking about happy hour turning into unhappy hour. And I just so related to that because
0: my poor <laughs> husband.
2: My poor husband. We would go up on the hill in our golf cart, and we would have drinks after work and talk about what was going on at the shop. And at first, it was so relaxing, but after a while, it became argument hour. And, you know, and then it was, oh, I've got to go get some more wine. Let's open another bottle and I'm going to prove my point and pointless point, whatever it was. Um, but a, uh, a, a few of the momentous things that happened um, is after one of those unhappy hours, I would go in the house. My husband would go into his man cave. And I came out to ask him a question and I saw his face. And it was, and everyone who knows my husband, you know, he's just a sweetheart. He's, he's just the nicest guy. And he's happy. He's a happy person. I mean, really happy. And uh, I saw his face, and it was red, and his eyes were watery. And he had this lost look on his face. And I could tell. He was thinking, what is happening in my life? Where is my wife?" What is going on? He was just lost. And I I looked at his face and I thought, oh, no, this will not do. You cannot do that to him. That's not fair. So that was one big moment. And then another one, he was going to drive some parts down to uh, Los Angeles with a big truck and a trailer, which is not something we usually do, and it's made me nervous, and I was afraid for him, and uh, I must have done something bad the night before and not remembered, because I was always afraid to ask him, because I didn't want to know, because I, I knew it might have been bad say, th- saying things, or and uh, I told him to be safe, please be safe, I love you you know, that kind of thing, and hugging him. And and he looked at me and he said, now, honey, if something bad does happen to me, I don't want you to feel bad about how you treated me because I know you love me, and I know that wasn't you.
0: Wow,
2: you know. No, it wasn't me. And that was the thing. Alcohol did something to me. But the last um the last thing that really turned the tide for me Well, I had a little talk with myself. Are you okay with throwing away your life? I mean, you know, because I just wanted to be left alone with my wine. Stop bugging me. And it's like, you have a really good life. You have a wonderful husband. You you have a wonderful home. You have family and friends. What oh, are you okay with just you know handing that out over? Um, so that was a conversation, and then uh, last Thanksgiving. I was uh, in a little bit of a tizzy, and I dialed, and I was very drunk, obviously, and I dialed 911 by mistake on my telephone. And it dialed my 2 stepsons because they're my emergency contact. And then the police showed up at our house. Um, is everything okay? And it was just a huge, a huge, you know, uh, it, I think the universe had me do that to dial 911 to myself to say okay it's emergency time it's time to go and get fixed here this is not working anymore so uh about 2 weeks after that i'd had stress at work and had drank too much and then uh That was it. I I I was done. I december eleventh I woke up and said I'm
0: I'm done.
1: So that's my story. That's a turning point in your story, but I know your story doesn't end there. What happened next? What did you do that day? What, uh, what did that day look like? Do you remember it? That actual day, huh? That's an interesting question. <laughs> um,
2: I started Googling things. I don't know if it was that day, but somehow I Googled something and the sober school came up. It was like I don't know. Kate pulls, puts these things out into the universe, and and you, if you type in the right things, you'll snag onto her.
0: <laughs> and
2: um, and she had this little video. Why? Why wait? Why not today? There's always going to be a party. There's always going to be a holiday. There's always going to be some reason. Um but you're you're looking at this video because it's not working for you anymore, so why wait and I was at the right moment at the right time because I'd tried to moderate before I'd done you know the dry January and the moderate and all that stuff so it was uh, she she was just like a little angel she was just that little and i i her approach was so um positive and upbeat and practical it wasn't uh. Like I, it wasn't dark in any way; it was very light, and um, it appealed to me. And I have to say that uh, Kate B. Sober School made all the difference for me. And Kate, if you listen to this, thank you so much, sweetheart. You saved so many people. She uh, she has a six-week online course, and you you get into the why. And you create a toolbox and you do some myth busting and she kind of gets you in with the lighter stuff. And then about middle way in the class, you do dig a little deeper and uh, it's all presented and done so well. And it works. (laughs) It works. Um, I connected with a few of the ladies from that class. I actually went through it a whole second time because you can, You can go through it. It's a daily engagement. And I went through it. It was six weeks every day. And I made time for that every morning. And then I went through it again a second time. And there were a handful of us us that did it again every day a second time. And I learned so much more the second time. And then after the second time was over, two of the, I call them my sober sisters, and I decided to email each other every day. And we have emailed every each other every day. So I have been in contact with these women every day for 258
1: days. You know, I feel like that is so key to having, not just to being sober, because people can get sober alone. I got sober alone. Um, it's possible. But I feel like for me, it didn't become a sort of, Wholehearted engagement, like a really interactive, (sighs) fulfilling thing, until other people came into it for me. Um, So, I have two questions for you. And one is about how it felt to start building relationships with other people that were walking the same walk. And then I'd like you to tell us a little bit about how you revealed to the people in your life your decision to quit drinking and what their response looked like over time but first tell us about making connections well the daily email for me
2: was just vital um, as most of the people that are in my life came to my life through alcohol Um, so that was just so important to me and my room uh you know having this room for creative i actually do artwork um painting mixed media painting and um i express myself through that uh and i joined a book club trying to meet other people and luckily the book club i joined there aren't many wine there's one woman there that drinks wine <laughs> <laughs> i was so happy it was like ah and i'm still getting to know these women but um they're not drinkers, so I'm thrilled. Um, but at the same time, um, socializing sober is its challenging, but it's so rewarding. But uh, as far as um, how I told everyone, um, Kate has like ways in the toolbox of what to say to people when you go to dinner or this and that. And obviously my partying ways had stopped because we were the party house and people were asking me, so when are we going to have a party? And I was like, we're not. <laughs> um, but my closest friends, I just told them I've, I've quit drinking. And, and like I said, they all knew I had a problem. So no one was like, well, why nobody yeah. asked me why? Uh Um, so I didn't have that issue. Um, I did, when I reached six months, I did come out on Facebook and it felt so good. And I actually have people that say I've inspired them, which is like, wow, I can't believe it. Uh Um, and you know, as I mentioned, as I started this out, my spirituality, I'd been seeking for the last three years amidst all this darkness and all this craziness I was going through internally. I was seeking spirituality, and I could not break through it until I gave up alcohol. So if you're a seeker, you need to know that. You have to clear yourself, and you cannot clear yourself if you're poisoning yourself. Um Another thing I did recently was I went to She Recovers Retreat, and that was transformational. <laughs> and, Peyton, your dancing meant so much to me. If you listen to this,
1: Peyton, your dancing meant so much to me. I You're so lucky you got to do that. So. <laughs> What Mo is talking about is is a new feature at She Recovers Retreats, which is something very special that Peyton Kennedy, who is one of the She Recovers um, leaders, uh, she has created a program called She Recovers Dance. And it's like a yoga dance, um, which is sort of it's like a guided physical movement kind of thing. Um, but it's very freeing. And I've heard about it. I haven't got to do it yet. What can you tell us about it? I'm so excited to try this.
2: Oh, well, um, she just you just start out freestyle. And uh, being in a yoga studio and, and being around all these people that you feel comfortable with. Um, and she picks the right music. And it's all so empowering. And everyone just freestyles for a while. And then she brings out uh, scarves, and you dance with the scarves, and it's just such a joy. I I used to spend a lot of time dancing drunk, and I thought that was the best. No. Nothing beats dancing sober. Sorry. Nothing. Because <laughs> you're all there. You're laughing. You're crying. You're jumping. You're screaming. You're, you're just... Oh, it's like being a little girl again. It was just absolutely fabulous. Um, but... Peyton was uh, my first connection with She Recovers, and uh, I'd been so nervous because, unlike a lot of people in recovery, I had not met anyone in person in recovery at that point, and I was eight months sober. All my connections had been online or through email, so I didn't know how to act. I was nervous what, that I would say the wrong thing, so I actually didn't. Fully come into the whole experience until like near the end. <laughs> and the dancing certainly helped a lot. <laughs> so, but I signed up again, so I'm going next year. So I, I, I'm looking forward to it.
1: I'm looking and forward now, to it. And so. now, I have to tell you, the first recovery retreat I went to was the She Recovers retreat. And I had been sober for, um, gosh, Uh, Two years, I think, and had never been in a sharing circle before. I had met a few other sober people, but I really didn't start making friends until that point in my recovery. And I basically bawled the whole time. I didn't, I had Mm -hmm. so much emotion pent up inside of me and so little ability to express it That I would try to talk And I would just be overcome with tears And and that went on For a whole week My goodness those ladies were so patient with me um, But I Eventually learned how to communicate Without just being Overwhelmed um, I'm curious about your experience um, In sharing circles And also just oh. in Immersing yourself in A group of other women that are Walking the same walk What were some things that um, you learned about yourself during that time and, and that stand out to you?
2: Well, I learned that I am more introverted than I thought I was. And that a lot of, uh, I, I I was very insecure and very introverted. And um, I did a lot of crying and my, we, We have, I have friends for life, my crying mates on the yoga mat. We, we called it, we're snotting something about snotting up the bats. She's snotting (laughs) up the bats (laughs) because it was, you know, I mean, yeah, just, it was just a, a sisterhood and a loving atmosphere. And I felt transformed spiritually and emotionally. And I learned a lot about myself, um, internally because they give you the time and space to be alone as well and I did spend some time alone um, which I do hear at home but it's different when you're away and you're focused on looking um, so it's uh, it's it, it was a great experience um, which leads me into um, you know I, I asked my husband you know how he felt about he, he's happy for me doing this interview. By the way, um, uh, his word was calm. He is so calm, and he sees me as being so calm, and he's happy to have me back.
0: I
1: told you a dog would bark. Yes, <laughs> there goes my dog. He's calm. <laughs> so he's ha- and, uh, happy to have you back. You say
2: yes, yes, um, and we've taken our house from a party house a sanctuary so one thing one major thing or not one major thing lots of major things have happened but i had suggested that we get rid of the pool table because we had pub tables and a pool table and our house basically looked like a bar and uh because we have a swimming pool and we have it's all made for entertaining and uh it just didn't fit anymore it didn't fit anymore and and i just i mentioned you know after about three months or so i was like you know honey we don't play on the pool table you know how about we get rid of it and no I don't think so you know I love pool and blah 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 well then his son was online looking at a pool table and um, without me even being there he said oh you can have our pool table we're going to get rid of our pool table and next (laughs) thing I know the pool table's gone and wow okay so then I moved the pub tables into his man cave where he has a keg of beer which he hardly ever drinks anymore which is really cool and um and I bought a new dining table. It came in just yesterday and I cried. Happy tears sitting at my dining table. I finished a new painting which was a four month project. Big huge painting and my dining table and I just it's it's my space now. It's so more aligned with life.
1: I love it. I love that Being you're just like taking back your physical space and your mental space and just redefining your life within your house and the relationships there. That's so beautiful. Has your art, as you look at the art that you've produced over the years, do you see any changes subtle or not subtle in the art that you're producing these last nine months?
2: Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm getting a style where before it was just, um, uh, random. Now I'm. I'm. There's more of a particular style, and it's kind of cool. And, and, and I'm not as insecure about it anymore. I'm feeling it. It's it's me. And uh, it feels good. I look at it, and I'm like,
1: Oh, I like that. What and, do you attribute uh, that to? Do you uh, where is that coming from, and why is it coming now? Well, you know, I was
2: always creative an imaginative, but I lost that when I started my career and I put everything into work and uh, I'm not putting everything into work anymore. I'm putting more into me. Nice. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, You mentioned uh, in passing as you shared your story about having had a gastric bypass um yes. tell me what you've learned about that procedure and alcohol addiction. Have you done any any research on that? What have you learned about that? Um I did I did some, you know, they
2: tell you, you know that you have to be careful because you're not really um you 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 don't uh you don't absorb nutrients, but you also don't have a filter for Things like alcohol, so it goes right through into your into your body much quicker, and you get drunker much faster. But you also get sober much faster. So you can be drunk right after two drinks, and then on drink four, you're sober again. So then you're so it makes the whole round robin even worse. <laughs> and it's um, it's not something to be played with. Um, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I went through the whole thing. Maybe I shouldn't have had it because I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I mean, I was unhealthy. Yes. But I, maybe I could have just, you know, buckled down and, and, and done something different. Um, so I, I've had a lot of frustration with it because I felt like maybe I caused myself to go into, crawling into this bottle um, because of the bypass, um, because I made that decision. Um, However, I don't know that that's absolutely true. Um, My feeling of unworthiness and my constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop and poverty and violence to come back to me um, is, is the bigger thing that caused me to Try to sabotage my own life um, so you know there's there's a whole nother episode there <laughs> um, nervous laughter um, <laughs> but you know that is that is uh you know bypass aside that's really where you know when you when you dig deep because you know you, being in recovery or becoming sober is just is not just about quitting drinking. It's about looking at your life. And then it's every day. It's, you you know, I I remember from class some people saying, well, I just want to quit drinking and go on with my life. Well, it's not going to work. It doesn't work that way because there's a reason. There's lots of reasons. There's lots of little reasons. And, um, And then there's some big ones in there too. And once you look at it at what you're afraid of, it becomes smaller. And that was something else I have written here. Um, I think that recovery is brave, um, and that people in recovery need to be proud of themselves, um, because most people don't own their problems, and they don't try to improve, because it's not easy. They just say, "Oh well, that's the way it is," or "Oh, you know, I'm just going to go do this," or "I'm." They don't dig. Like like we do when we're in recovery.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: and then also the biggest thing for me, and, and, and I think it's happened because I can say it with a lightness in my voice where before it used to just bring me to the floor, is forgive yourself. Most people will forgive you. Some won't, okay? And that's the hard part. Some people won't forgive you for things you've done or said. And some things you cannot fix. And that's, you've got to accept that. And I personally, I, I think it's because they weren't meant to. There's a reason why they're not fixed. And there's a reason why those people aren't forgiving you. And you just forgive yourself. Have compassion for yourself like you would for other people. And that's was the hardest thing for me to do. And then, you know, just being, being yourself. Like you know, I'm I was afraid of this call and afraid of this hour, but I wanted it because I wanted to reach out, and just be myself and hopefully inspire, and 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 make someone else know. Yes, you know, you know, some tidbit of what I say makes sense, and uh, because you start liking yourself, and it is the most awesome thing when you actually. You know what? I'm a really cool person. I'm a good person. I am actually an amazing person. I have so much going on. You go, girl. (laughs) And, And it's not somebody else saying that to you. It's you saying it to yourself. And you can get there. Just forgive yourself. Be kind to yourself. And it's easy to say, I know, I know.
1: But... You would just treat yourself like you treat others. I'm really glad that you said that because I'd have to say that was one side effect of quitting drinking that I had no idea would happen because I had no idea I needed it. I really didn't think I had a self-esteem problem because I was so sure that what I believed was the truth. So, I might say, you know, like well, no, I feel good about myself cuz look at all that I do, but underneath it I have this core belief that I had to do all those things in order to be good. And that if I didn't do them, I wasn't as good as other people and that I almost had to like do more than other people because
0: mm-hmm.
1: I was less than. And I didn't acknowledge those things that I really thought them because They were so ingrained in my core beliefs, my worldview that I didn't even know how much I believed them. I just, it was just the air that I breathed. It was just sort of my, my normal. And you're right. Recovery does give you the space to unpack some of that. And then when you realize, oh my gosh, you know, I, that was never true. I mean, a I believed it and I didn't even know I believed it and then B, it was never true and I could be free of this thing I didn't even know I was carrying. And it feels so right. good. So good. Yeah. And um so there's and people time. who Yeah. Say more about that.
2: Oh, well I used to be so so full of shame. Oh, I did that at the Christmas party. Or, oh, I did that at the fundraiser. oh, I said that to some, you know what? Nobody's perfect. That was me. I did it. Okay. I, I'm fixing it as best I can. Those kind of things used to tear me up thinking about them. You know, the, the morning after texts, the not, the, the, the continual apologies, the, the all of the the anxiety, you know. Oh my gosh, it's so nice to wake up, and know yourself. No, to know yourself. <laughs> and time, the more time you spend knowing yourself, you put that all in its proper perspective in its box. Yeah. Yeah, that happened at that dance. Yeah, that happened at that Christmas dinner. Yeah, okay. Well, that's not me anymore.
0: Right.
2: That's, you know, that's something that happened. And no one walks through this life unscathed. No one is perfect. Everyone has their stuff, whatever it is. And that was I your think... stuff. And it's over.
1: I did see a beautiful meme on Um, Instagram or something one time That said you're not a terrible Person for the bad things You did When you were hurting and just trying Not to hurt like the things the mistakes You made in trying To cope Those were mistakes Those aren't defining and like You said they're over they're done with Don't do them anymore That's important clean up What messes you can Um, make amends Um, you know that's a that's a 12-step term but I also mean it in in the more loosely you know like um, Mm -hmm. you have to you know you owe your apologies but then you don't do that anymore and just by living differently that could make a big difference and then when it comes to our personal lives don't you find Mo that as we As we build new memories with our friends and families and we have new conversations and new experiences, they pile up and they start to overshadow those old memories. And I know for me, myself, you know, I might, I live in a fairly small city, so I've been running into the same people for the last 50 years, you know, and every once in a while I Mm -hmm. see someone, I'm like, wasn't there something about that person a while ago? Uh, I can't,
0: yeah, Yeah, I can't remember, remember. you know, (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. like I don't even want to try so I guess it's okay to forgive ourselves for the things that we feel shame of because probably no one else really remembers
2: them yeah or if if they they do do, oh well it's in perspective now for them as well and I I do have a a couple of uh, 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 my birthday was in July and I received a card and a letter that just blew my mind and I don't have no idea how much time we have left Um, can I read
1: Yeah, yeah. We have about five minutes.
2: Okay, that's perfect. So um, this is from my dear daughter-in-law, and she's the mother of my grandson, whom I cherish because I never got to be a mom, but I get to be an Oma, and it's huge for me. She says, Happy birthday, dearest Monica. I hope you have a wonderful birthday celebration. I am so grateful to have such a beautiful soul as a loved one. I am thankful every day for our friendship. I am very excited about the journey you have been on. I hope you have a wonderful experience on your retreat. Much love always. I couldn't, I I was just, I mean, I will always treasure that.
1: That's so beautiful. Yeah. And then. That's really lovely. And yeah. A, yeah.
2: And then a girlfriend, I just, she wrote me a letter in calligraphy. I am stealing from the celebration of your birthday a moment to share with you my heart for you. You know you have always moved me with your strength, beauty, and generosity, but now there is even more for me to admire about you. Now you have a quiet, calm, and deep-seated serenity about you that glows. It draws me, my heart to you, like a moth to a flame. I know this serenity has and remains to be the product of much hard work and sacrifice, It does not go unnoticed, and it is a beautiful quality. To see you willing to change your direction and chart a new life course is inspiring beyond words. But I want to thank you. I want to let you know that your courage makes me a little braver myself. I truly believe that you are finding your place in the universe and being your authentic self, and it makes me want to explore that too. Please know that I have loved and admire you always. That hasn't changed at all. But now I feel there is more of you for me to discover and learn from. I hope you will have patience with me as I tag along on your journey. I love you, Monica, and I am so grateful for all the beauty and love you have brought to my life. The friends you have graciously shared with me, who I now call mine, you have an amazing gift of attracting good things and good people. So on this birthday, I hope you feel the love of your friends and family radiating to you. I hope you feel acceptance, peace, comfort, and celebration of all you have been. Excuse me. And are, now, and are now, as well as who you are transforming to be. All of these pieces are beautiful, and all of them are strong and capable. Enjoy your day, sweet friend. You deserve to be celebrated today and always. <laughs>
1: I cry so much, Don't apologize. that's who you are. That's what you're here for. yeah, but tell me a little <laughs> bit about those tears is that is that joy? Is that relief? Yeah. Is that yes. pride? Tell me why you're crying. Why does that all two tears <laughs>
2: All of those things, yeah. yeah,
1: all of those things I mean, wow. Did you ever see yourself as the kind of person that others would look up to in that way? I do now. Yeah. And you should.
0: Yeah.
2: And that's big. You just got me to say that.
1: I just came to
0: that. Ah.
1: Well, that is awesome. I really... I'm so glad that you can see that um, And that you're not Holding it at arm's length and refusing To feel it because it's Your own and it is One of the many gifts of Recovery and sobriety Is to become who We're meant to be who we're capable of being And um, In that famous uh, Marianne Williamson quote You know who are you not to shine who are you to hide your
0: light,
1: <laughs> right? Like you have these gifts and um, what's the point of being here if we're not going to fulfill what we're capable of. So I really love that you are demonstrating to our listeners how recovery has transformed your life in ways that are taking you by surprise, even in this moment. <laughs> yes. yes. Just right now. Wow. <laughs> yeah Wow. well, thank you for being so open and vulnerable on air um and and sharing your heart with me and with the listeners of this podcast. I'm very grateful, and it's been lovely to get to know you.
2: Oh my gosh, Jean, thank you for having this space
1: it's you you well i'm just,
2: i I hope you know it's just huge and it's so important for us out there and
1: and thank you so much for for this space. Oh, I'm honored. I'm I'm honored to be a, a steward of this space. <laughs> um, I'm I'm happy to to hold space and. And an it amazing going. one you are. Uh, it's really it's a gift to me. It's a gift in my life too. Um, I want to do uh, before we go. I want to do just a little bit of housekeeping because you talked about Kate B's sober school. And um oh, yes. the interview I did with Kate B is um November two thousand and seventeen. She was on the Bubble Hour. Um yes. so you can scroll back through the archives and listen to
0: to oh, that I'm interview. Yes. And um
1: <laughs> so yeah, you've probably listened to it before. Uh and I'm guessing that um anyone that's listening that is Sober, curious, or preparing. Uh, in fact, I had an email just the other day from someone who is gearing up for September. One is going to be her, her sober beginning. Her and her husband are doing it awesome. together. So a shout out to them and encouragement to them to go back and listen to that Kate B, interview. And um, the sober school is found at thesoberschool.com. And um, if you like the results, friends that you're hearing from Mo, that Mo got from Zober School, go check that out for yourself, for sure. And um, let me see. Oh, and She Recovers. You mentioned the She Recovers retreat. So She Recovers website, sherecovers.co. Or you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, all the places, all the usual places. Fantastic retreat. Right before I came on, I
2: I did yoga to Taryn on my iPad right before I came on. Wonderful.
1: Yes, they have an online yoga program They now have a podcast as well So search your podcast app for the She Recovers podcast And um, yeah, thank you for sharing those resources with us and, And what worked for you I'm really, really glad I'm really happy for you and your recovery And that your life has just blossomed To be this fulfilling, wholehearted transformation That you're experiencing Thank you for being here today, Mo Thank you And listeners, if you would like to uh, connect with Mo, you can send an email to me, thebubblehour at gmail.com, and I will forward your message on to Mo so that she can read your words and possibly reply, but uh, I always, for sure, she'll get your words, and um, Mo, it's up to you whether or not um, you reply back to people. Sometimes people do, and sometimes they they just choose to just receive the feedback, but anyway, it's lovely that we're able to sort of be a conduit. Between listeners and guests So folks, Wonderful. that's everything For this week That's all for today Until next time, everyone Please take good care
0: I own it, I did it, Not proud but that that me